sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Good afternoon. Welcome in. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia for the next two hours. We're going to break down everything happening this week in fantasy sports, of course, with baseball in full swing. We're headed toward, honestly, the 20% mark in the fantasy baseball season. Who would have thought that just a few weeks in? We'll update you on who did what this weekend. Also, Adam Ronis will join us to give us a betting perspective on two of the big games in the NBA today. And without a doubt, we'll touch on some fantasy football as we get closer one week away from the official start of all the players being on the field in training camp. And one month from today, hypothetically speaking, from the first game of the NFL season on September the 10th, 2020. And Joe, hope you had a really good weekend. It's great to see you. We are a month away from football, but we are in the midst of one wacky baseball season for sure. We saw a lot of interesting things happen this weekend. We're going to break it all down today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, we're seeing an emerging superstar in baseball right now with Fernando Tatis Jr. It is so fun to watch this guy play. The energy, the new Padres unis, it's all just working for me, man. I'm just loving it. And you're right, we're getting closer and closer to football, so we're going to start covering uh, that more this week as well. We'll talk about some of my guys that I've been targeting in early drafts because I've been in the trenches doing a lot of it, a lot of early drafts, a lot of expert league drafts and some mocks as well. Plus, uh, we're also going to have some great guests coming up this week, too, talking fantasy football. So you're going to want to stick with fantasy sports today all week long. All right, let's get right to it. Here are the highlights for today on this Monday, our top stories on fantasy sports today. No doubt, late in the day yesterday was sort of the way that you don't want to see things go down, but a real controversial issue happening, and we'll get, I'm sure, some clarity on this. As Ramon Laureano, who was hit three different times over the weekend by the Houston Astros, his former team when he came up, uh, ended up charging the dugout. And one of the coaches seemed to sort of egg him on a little bit, and I'm sure that that's going to be a factor in this as they go back and look at the video. But the commissioner of baseball said eight games minimum for anyone who gets in a fight. So Laureano could be looking at missing at all of the games this week in fantasy. Make sure you get him out of your lineup because even with an appeal, it's going to be some time. As Joe mentioned, Fernando Tatis Jr. certainly went wild against the Diamondbacks right now. If you have a ticket in your back pocket or a bet over on FanDuel for him to win the NL MVP, uh, you're feeling pretty good. Great start for him, no (laughs) question about it. He'll have to keep going, and he's got a tough matchup against the Dodgers coming up, but certainly he's been unstoppable to start the season. There has been no start for the St. Louis Cardinals. Their season is still on pause. No games early in the part of this week. They're waiting on their test results from yesterday. If they get back all negative today, there's a chance they could play on Friday. But Cardinals, fantasy, not the players that you want to have this week, although I would say they're a heck of a target if they get back on the field on Sunday because you'll get more games out of them than you'll get from any other team the rest of the season. The Cleveland Indians send Zach Plezak, their starting pitcher, home after he broke protocol. The Athletic was the first to report that. Plezak did apologize after and say he did the wrong thing. The Indians are sort of walking back here a little and saying he was going to the bullpen anyway, which really doesn't make sense. Regardless, Plezak doesn't look like he's a starting pitcher for the time being for the Indians as well. Uh, Morikama wins the PGA Championship, had some unbelievable shots. The 23-year-old was phenomenal in San Francisco. 
really came on on Saturday and Sunday, and it was an exciting finish to watch. All the guys were really bunched up at the end, too. It was a cool finish. Uh, Phoenix Suns are 5-0 and in the bubble, and we're going to talk a little bit about them on the show a little later with Adam Ronis, but they've been the hottest team in the NBA, and they simply have not lost since they joined Orlando. And then finally, Darius Geis uh, on late Friday was released by the Washington football team for accusations and arrests uh, for previous do- domestic violence issues and Certainly, that kind of eliminates him from the fantasy football discussion. Want to make sure that we attack this also from the reality discussion, which is something that I, I think needs to be said more than fantasy. I saw some people jumping on the fantasy train real quick on Friday, but let's also be real. There's uh, there's people damaged in this, and there's people hurt in this. But uh, from the fantasy perspective, Joe and I certainly will touch on this a little bit later on. And that's sort of uh, the weekend, Joe, in, in football and baseball and basketball. And of course, we're waiting today to see what the status is of college football, which seems to be in doubt for the 2020 season. Yeah. Wow. There, that's a big list right there. That's a serious list too. And uh, good on the Washington football team and Ron Rivera, because a culture change certainly is coming down the pike there in Washington. And uh, this is, I think, uh, the first salvo in that. And uh, I think if anybody is the first uh, right guy to do this, it's Ron Rivera. I think he's that kind of a leadership guy as we welcome in the radio audience here to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. But uh, certainly the guy's situation was troubling. I think it's excellent that they acted appropriately and quickly and moved on here. And uh, in terms of the other frustrating story of the weekend, it's got to be Zach Plesak, too. I mean, I don't understand how tone deaf you can be in these circumstances, especially after what's gone on in the last two weeks. And it's just so frustrating. And I think more to kind of tie into the college thing, Craig, when you think about like the immaturity of these are grown men, professional athletes, right? Are we going to be able to expect that the immature college athlete and again, not all of them are immature, but they're youthful at the very least. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way that they're going to be responsible enough in order to do the right things. And, and it really begs the question, if they can, I think that's why you're having these conversations. You are. I can't believe police act went and did what he did. And you know what? The Indians should send him home. Yeah, it's really, it's a tough dynamic here because Plezak is a young man and he should know better for sure, but he's not alone. There are a lot of other players who, and I can't speak to Plezak's particular situation, but I can speak to others. There's a lot of players out there who think that this isn't serious and think that they're invincible and think that it isn't going to affect them. Now, what they are not considering is how it will affect other people, but I'm not really all that surprised, and, and I don't think that, that Plezak will be the last one either just because of some of the kids and the attitudes, and, and it's just real hard to essentially police kids that are 25, 24, 23 years old and tell them, hey, look, you can't do this. And uh, you know some of them haven't even been to college, too. They're just straight out of high school and know nothing else except for playing Major League Baseball, and it's not an excuse. It's just the reality of where we're at. And, and another part of this, too, is is also – the uh, politicizing of this. Some guys just believe one thing and not the other, but that's where we're at as a country. We'll be back with the weekend fantasy standouts. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, 
And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia as we'll update you on one of the breaking stories of today, which I'm sure we're going to get a resolution pretty quickly. But the Detroit Free Press is reporting that the Big Ten will not play college football, at least in the fall. No word on whether uh, the other conferences will follow suit. I would expect them to follow suit. Uh, and there are two layers to this that... Um, you know, for our purposes and for just sports purposes in general, first of all, health is the most important thing. And these are kids and and that cannot be overstated enough. Now, strictly from a coverage standpoint here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid, uh, there is a negative and a positive to this. The negative is that we will not have college football to talk about this fall, which honestly is awful. It's my favorite thing. Uh, the positive to this is that potentially sometime in January or February, they could actually do a spring college football season. Now, uh, Joe, I find it unlikely, and I think that there's probably a better chance of having no college football at all this year as opposed to having spring football, but this could end up being okay because that would give us an extra three months of football that we never had. I'll be optimistic that that is the case, but uh, again, what you're going to see, Joe, is a lot of the kids, I think, at that point, uh, because of the draft being in April, are just going to simply, uh, you know, not play. And then at that point, you'd be getting some minor league football, and and the kids are all going to want to play in the draft. But we saw Trevor Lawrence be uh, pretty vociferous about wanting to play, and he is the number one pick in the draft coming up. But I have a feeling uh, we may have seen the last of Trevor Lawrence playing at Clemson, and we'll see him in an NFL uniform in April of next year. It's very possible. Uh... The spring is is not a terrible idea, too, especially when they're talking about vaccines potentially being available at some point in time, maybe January or February. That would be enough time, maybe February, March, to maybe push the NFL draft a little bit later. You could do something like that, but it's a lot of moving parts, and uh, the more you start to think about it, the more unlikely it possibly seems. However, um, this is what happens. These are student athletes. They're kids. They're, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing. And you see it's difficult to manage on the professional level. And you're asking people to be professional and follow guidelines. And it's also difficult, too, because so many colleges are just worried about the student body at large and, uh, and how they're going to proceed with things, let alone athletics. So it is a very complicated issue. I wish it weren't. I wish we weren't dealing with this. But it certainly feels like we're moving closer and closer to potentially college football not being a thing this year, which would be terrible. And, uh, you know, if certain conferences are going to play, Craig, I guess it begs the question, too. Will some of the kids from other schools that aren't playing try to transfer out? And does that become like a messy thing of kids moving from one college that isn't playing to another college that is so they can get seen by NFL drafts? I mean, I just thought of that right now, but I don't know the logistics of that either. Yeah, you won't have to worry about that because that's not going to happen. So it's it's an all or nothing scenario. Once okay. once the Big Ten is out and it's a Power Five conference, you're talking about the college football playoff and a conference not being in it. It just basically eliminates the season. One, the, the thought process is that once Power Five, any of them opt out, the rest of them are going to follow suit. So, um, you know, you once it's, it's right made call, official right? by the Big Ten, what's that? Do you think it's the right call to opt out of the season for them? Uh well, I mean, all of the, it's either all or none. I mean, you can't you can't have half a college football season. I mean, they've already eliminated the out of conference games. Uh, look, kids kids are involved here. They're not being paid, regardless if they say that they want to play. There's huge liability in terms of, and there's a lot more kids, and there's bound for something really negative to happen here. So I certainly understand it. I hope that they decide to play in the spring. And some of the things that I've read about this this weekend would be an eight-game schedule, conference only, no bowl games whatsoever, and only playing in February and March and then having the championship in April uh, with just the playoff. 
Um, you know, that, that certainly would be better than having nothing. And it would actually Agreed. be really cool to have six months of football, maybe seven or eight. Like, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. But I don't know that that's realistic. So my guess is, is that it, like everything else in this country that seems to be happening, we're going to kick the can down the road. They're going to postpone things for a while. And then they'll check back in October or November and see where we're at. And I think that, as you mentioned, the vaccine is obviously the key. I don't think that they could put the kids on the field without having a vaccine at least available for them to be able to take. But I think the one thing, the ramifications from this that will change, Joe, and I would guess would uh, change pretty quickly, is I would almost guarantee the NFL will play on Saturday. I think that's the next yes, thing. Yes, I 100% agree. Those, you took yeah, the words right I, out of my mouth. That's what I was thinking. That yeah. Basically, what this does is it gives flexibility also to the NFL schedule to start playing on other days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You could get whatever it's easiest, whenever it makes sense to get those games in. And they might need that, too, or maybe need to filter in more bye weeks in order if there is a team that tests positive in order to filter out, say, well, we can't have anybody play for two weeks, but then we can come back here and play on this you know, Thursday. And then we can come back again on the Saturday and play and all kinds of things like that and make adjustments to the schedule. I agree with you 100%. This basically opens the door and in a lot of ways, I think, makes the, the potential of the NFL season not easier, but at least gives a little bit more slack to work with from a scheduling standpoint. Yeah, I could see Saturday night NFL games. That does make some sense. They could travel the same day. They don't have to stay overnight anywhere. Um, right. Friday is never going to happen. There's like this unwritten rule um, right. you know, not to interfere with anything in high school. So um, it never has. I don't think it ever will be. Regard, and I don't even know who's going to be playing high school football in the fall. I was going to say, I don't know who's playing high school will. football if they ain't playing college football. That's tough, man. Oh, they, they'll, tough. Believe me, there'll be some high school football. There will be some they high school football. Yeah. There will be some states that want to have it. Uh, but I don't think the, I think the NFL plays maybe Saturday night, Sunday. And, that, and you know, adding another game to the schedule on Saturday night would work for sure. All right, uh, let's take a look at the weekend standouts in fantasy baseball real quick before we go to the update. And we got Fernando Tatis Jr., who's now hit a home run in four straight games. He's got five. Uh, I mean, just incredible. And and now I believe he has eight on the season. I think if I got that wrong, I think he has eight on the season. Uh, Charlie Blackman, eight for 11, a home run, four RBIs over this weekend. Also, four runs scored. They were at cores, so the numbers went up. Kevin Biggio of the Blue Jays, they have a day off today. He was three for 11 this weekend with two homers and three walks. Jorge Soler keeps the Royals rolling. They're playing good baseball. Two home runs, four runs driven in. Nelson Lamed had a no-hitter in the seventh inning, 6.2 innings pitched, 11 strikeouts. He's been fantastic this year. And I got to give uh, credit to my buddy here, uh, Frank Stamfel, who said to draft Spencer Turnbull, and I was throwing up at the draft, but I did it. And he's been really good. Seven innings pitched, one and run, four strikeouts. He's been the Tigers' best pitcher. I wonder if he's a trade deadline potential candidate. But, uh, Joe, those are just some of the great performances from the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And the Tigers scoring some runs as well. Uh, right now, the story has to be Fernando Tatis Jr., though. Uh, this was a guy that, uh, for me personally, anytime I was picking lower in a draft this year back in February, March, uh, anything 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever that draft was, if that was my spot, I was taking Fernando Tatis Jr. because I knew there'd be enough talent to back it up right away there on a turn. And I got to say, right now, going into next year's drafts, if he sustains anything close to this, he's going to be in that top four, maybe even top three conversation. Uh, I, I, and I understand, you know, some people didn't want to buy into it last year. They were concerned with the strikeouts a little bit. They were concerned a little bit with, uh, you know, some of the minor league track record at moments, but I think it's just time. We all have to understand that this kid is special. This kid is lighting it up and playing great defense too. I mean, he is just an all around great player. He's exciting. He's fun to watch. It's great for baseball right now. 
And uh, for me, he's been the story of the year so far, not just Aaron Judge. I know everybody wants to talk about the judge. But for me, Fernando Tatis has been that pure joy of watching this kid come up there. And we need more guys like Tatis. And it's very exciting to watch him and this upstart Pirates team, I mean, excuse Padres team, along with guys like Denelson Lamette and Chris Paddock, start to kind of take that next step. Because if so, this is a team to be reckoned with for a few years now. Yeah, Padres have a lot of young talent, and with Patino and some of the other players on the mm-hmm. way, they have a chance to be really good. Uh, also, this in this morning that Charlie Morton was placed on the 10-day injured list with uh, an injured shoulder, and maybe that would explain some of the issues that he's had physically. Um, I thought it was mentally. Clearly, it's physically, and I don't know, Joe, that we'll see Charlie Morton again this year. And if we do, it ain't going to be for a while. So certainly that's not a player that you could just run to the waiver wire and grab a replacement. This guy's frontline starter, a tough loss. Yeah, uh, absolutely is. And uh, the good news also, if that's the negative, I think the good news is we start to see some signs of life from Christian Yelich this weekend, too. So everybody who was really worried, and, and we talked at length here about him on the show, let's hope that that is the sign of things to come. And this is an upswing here for him. And we wish Charlie Morton as well all the best. Hopefully he gets better sooner than later, because I'm sure in his last season, this is not the way he would want to go out with an injury. So hopefully he gets right sooner than later and gets back on the field. But all you folks out there, too, with Christian Yelich after that big debate, hopefully this is the beginning of good things again for him. Yeah, we'll see this week for sure when the Brewers are back on the field. They've had a tough start to their season, too. Yeah. All right, coming up next, it's time for a little NBA preview for today in the DFS level and an update uh, from Chris. And then we'll hit on some potential fantasy aces in fantasy baseball. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. We're back in just a couple of minutes. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that from Greg and Jeremy. Check out all of their work every day as we preview a little DFS action right here on Fantasy Sports Today on the NBA side. For now, let's get back to baseball a little bit. And we've seen some really good pitching performances at the start of the season, and they definitely have been turning heads. And some of the players, Joe, I would say, have pitching performances that have made them look like they could possibly be an SP1 in fantasy baseball. Now, again, a lot of this is probably for drafts in 2021, considering that the baseball season is 20 to 30% over at at this point already. But we're really seeing some players emerge and look like they could be aces both in reality and fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of these guys, the body of work started last year. And basically, they've picked up where they left off, which has been dominant. And I think the, uh, the biggest thing here to look at is... These players value in terms of keeper and dynasty league situations because going forward, you're you're seeing some turnover here. You see the Charlie Morton injury. You see Justin Verlander out. You know it only lasts so long where you have fantasy aces, and uh, some last way longer than others. But it's always important to be on that next grouping. And some people still might be a little slow to some of these guys, unfortunately. But I'll tell you this much: for me, so far, what I saw out of last year in 2019, uh, and so far this year in the short season of 2020. I've seen enough out of some of these guys in order to think that they are ready to be SP1s. And that first one is definitely Chris Paddock. Uh, For me, when I watch this guy pitch, 
Uh, it's it's that next level kind of stuff, and it's that it's that next level pitcher. He understands the finer points of pitching, and that's something that's very difficult. Usually, a young kid comes up there, tries to blow everybody away. That's not Paddock all the time. Uh, big bodied kid too, throws hard. You see, so far he's pitching on on a team that has a lot of upside. I think in the next year or two, and you look so far in the year or two, that WHIP is just one point zero one. He's tough to square up. The strikeouts are right around a K per nine, which is where you want a fantasy ace to be. So for me, Chris Paddock is first on that list. And I got to be honest with you. I actually drafted him as a as a number one in one league this year so far. And he has been uh, anchoring that rotation. And I think going into next year, you could start to think of him as an anchor to any fantasy rotation. Yeah, and he came back last year and, and wanted to pitch through the end of the season. And the Padres actually let him do it. And I think that the length of his season is going to help him moving forward as well. So uh, hard to argue that with the exception of, I'm not sold that the Padres are ready to take that next step. They have arguably the best player or one of the best players in the game, but there's still some work to be done there. But there's no question uh, Paddock, Lamette at the top of their rotation, without a doubt, has been really impressive to start the season for sure. Uh, well, the hottest team in baseball, Joe, is the Oakland Athletics. They're getting good pitching performances from everyone, good hitting performances from everyone when you win eight in a row. And the A's just have this knack of winning so many games in a row. It feels like they do this every year. Uh, and Frankie Montas is also off to a really good start with four uh, games and a 1.57 earned run average, 23 innings pitch, 22 strikeouts, and a whip of one. And provided that Oakland gives them some backing, I don't think that that ERA is going to hold up at 1.57, but he's got a chance to win a lot of games if they hit the ball for him. Yeah, it's not going to hold up, but the point is, are you getting dominant Frankie Montas? And the answer is yes. And I know a lot of people were hesitant this year. They were refused to buy in because of the PD suspension. But if you paid attention to when he came back last year, the guy picked up right where he left off. And I got news for you. In 2020, he's done the exact same thing. Whatever's clicked for this guy, whatever's happening, this guy is officially a fantasy ace. And there will still be people hesitant to jump on this wagon. And I think it is wrong. I think you have to look at how good this team is. It's a very good defensive team. It's a very good offensive team. It's a positive pitcher effect home ballpark. There's so many things going in Frankie Montas's favor that if you took a chance on him this year, it's paid off. And I got to be honest with you, Craig, going forward, I would feel comfortable more probably than most people with Frankie Montas leading that rotation of mine in fantasy. Now, I understand, too, you probably want to back him up just for insurance. But at a certain point in time, we have to call it what it is. And this guy has been absolutely filthy. Yeah, Montas to me, um, showing a lot, no question, and could potentially front this his rotation for a long period of time. He's been outstanding, and it's and the sample is is a lot bigger now at this point, having four starts. Uh, Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers looks like he is their main guy at this point. Can't argue that one. Two point oh eight earn run average, seventeen innings pitched, twenty one strikeouts, a WHIP under one with three games pitched, and uh, and Joe, look, he's just building off the season that he had last year and. I'm not really sure what's up with the Brewers here. I thought that they'd be a little bit better than they have been, but there's no question that Woodruff and hopefully Burns at some point, uh, you know, they're building a nice rotation as well. The the uh, the thought process that Milwaukee has no pitching, I think, is invalid. Yeah, I would agree with that. And look, Woodruff is kind of like Montas, too, when there's incomplete in last year's seasons, but really good stats, people start to wonder and get concerned. And I think what you've seen so far of Woodruff is, He's dominant again, so it's time to understand that maybe even next year in drafts, he could be undervalued, which is shocking, Craig. Yeah, and then finally, let's take a look at the Cleveland Indians, who just have a factory of pitching. I don't know how they keep doing this, but they do it again with Aaron Savali, who's made three starts. He was like their five going into the year. He could be an ace on some teams. 2.84 under an average, 23 Ks. Are you kidding me? In 19, uh, 
uh, 19 innings pitched with a whip of one. And, and Joe, I guess that they can trade another pitcher if they want because they can just put Zavali in if they're two He's or three. It's really starting crazy. to look a lot more like Corey Kluber every time he takes the mound. Isn't it crazy? He really starts to remind you of him. And yes, another big guy, strong uh, and a strikeout machine. So good things for Zavali coming. Waiver Wire Mondays next on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, along with Joe P. Zapia. It is Monday, August the 10th, 2020. We got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern. Head on over to our website, sportsgrid.com, for the latest on all of our programming and everything that we have going on here as well. Uh, Joe, before we get into the waiver wire, let me give you a quick rundown of my waiver wire and how it went off on uh, Sunday night in the League of Alternative Baseball Reality. I'm in this uh, 12-team league. I'm somewhere, I think, you know, close to the top or middle of the package, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth place, something like that. And I go on to my to the website and I go in and I put my bid in and it says you must have because I have no money left. Remember, I went for Kyle Lewis and uh, uh, Ian Happ. So I go in and it says you must have a dollar to make a bid. And I and I uh, had no idea that that was the rule, so I can't make another move the rest of the season. Really? So I made no it really easy on myself. That's weird. It's usually not set that way. I, I did not know that. I'll, I'll do something even better. How about this? I went into mine and uh, I was looking at some of the players available. I see Cody Bellinger. I see all these big. I was like, what's going on here? Why is Cody Bellinger uh, uh, available? Did, did I miss something? And I'm googling things like, what just happened? And then I get an email from our good friend Steve Gardner saying. I don't know what's going on, but all of my players are somehow available for purchase on the waiver wire. <laughs> I don't know what happened on the site. I don't know what's going on, but uh, he was basically saying, hey, everybody, please don't bid on my players because it's going to cause just mass chaos. I'm not sure what's going on. We'll fix it. So I don't know, man. I, I guess even waiver wires are really tired from 2022. I guess. I, I mean, I thought that I thought you didn't have to make, have any money to still place bids. I thought I could do zero dollar bids and yes. just get the leftovers. It should be set for get, zero bids. I don't know why it wouldn't be. You might want to, you know, contact Steve about that. But it was. I most did. Things, yeah. I did. And what did he say? No, you're out. Of, you're out. I of didn't gut. get a response. <laughs> well, so he's too I got no waiver sure wire. No one takes all his players. <laughs> yeah, I got no waiver wire. I do have Lorenzo Kane though. It's great. Okay, so let's take a look at some players potentially. We touched on some on Friday. Here, here's going a little bit deeper for those of you who are playing in deeper leagues. Here, we'll start off at catcher Max Stasi. Uh, all of a sudden, for the Angels, has really found a home. Four home runs, 10 runs driven in, 296. I know everybody could look for an extra catcher in some league, and he's on the Angels now, came over from uh, Houston. Uh, Jesus Aguilar on Miami already has four home runs. I mean, this dude couldn't hit a, you know, a fastball at all last year. I don't know. He, it looks like he's found it or, or has found whatever went wrong with him last year because all of a sudden it looks like now he's the guy that he used to be, and the Marlins got him for free. 
Uh, maybe we should have known with Trevor Rosenthal being on Kansas City and Mike Matheny being the manager that he was going to get thrust back into the closer role, but I just didn't see it happening. He looked like he couldn't throw a strike last year, and now all of a sudden he's the hottest reliever in all of Major League Baseball. Three saves, 1.29 earned run average, and available in every fantasy league. And who would have had this one? Rafael Montero, the failed experiment with the New York Mets, is now the closer of the Texas Rangers, and he hasn't even given up a run this year. And he also has two saves. So those are those are some players that I found that were very low percentage owned, like 5%, 10% owned. And still in any first-come, first-serve league, if you went through the waiver system and you look this morning, you may end up seeing them still this afternoon being available. Ah, failed experiment from the Mets. Boy, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I'd be a very rich man. Uh, who knows? Maybe we can trade another one of our top prospects for him at the end of the season. That'd be great. I'd love that. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal actually should not surprise anybody. Um, once upon a time, this guy really could uh, and showed to be a top flight reliever. And then injuries crept in and then obviously doubt crept into with some bad performances. And I think it's a great story to see a guy like this kind of come back. Uh, we've seen Kansas City over the years too retread guys that had a fallen out of favor as closers, whether it be Jonathan Broxton or, or creating other guys too out of nowhere, like Ian Kennedy is a closer. So, you know, there, there's all these opportunities over the years where somehow KC has found ways to basically have these reclamation projects and end up getting saves over the years. It's a fascinating thing to watch on an annual basis. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, Aguilar is the real story for me. Because for me personally, Craig, this was a guy that I've been watching for a very long time, all the way back to the Cleveland system. He was an RBI machine in the Cleveland system. He was blocked at first base, could not get any spot there. Carlos Santana was playing there at the time, so they really had no spot for him. Eventually, they did bring him up, and then... Basically, he was a casualty of the roster, and they said, ah, we're going to ship him off, and next thing you know, he ends up in Milwaukee, and this was a guy that I drafted everywhere because I always knew he was an RBI machine, and I was so happy he went off two years ago. And then all of a sudden, the price went way up, and I got terrified because I thought he was a nice player, but I did not think he was necessarily a 100 RBI, 25, 30 home run guy, and I don't think that was the one thing. You look at him, the power was always good, not great. So for him to get back right now to being productive is a great story. I think we all were holding out hope for him. I think it's one of the reasons why the Marlins in the last week or so when they came back were doing so well is because they had a middle-of-the-order presence. And if Aguilar can continue to do that, there's no reason now that there's a DH slot in the National League not to keep him around going forward. Would you agree that this is a guy that could potentially stick here with the Marlins as a DH long-term, at least next year or two? Yeah, I, I did not think he had anything left. I thought two years ago was an aberration, so he's a big surprise for me. And and listen, they got him for nothing, which tells you a lot. And it also tells right. you a lot that the Tampa Bay Rays completely gave up on him. And that's a team that usually makes smart moves. So I, I thought it was over with, and they were just picking up a player off the scrap heap. I'm still going to hold out a little bit before I go all in on a player like this, but certainly the early results have definitely been there. And the good news is, is that it looks like his lower half is back a little bit. Uh, still a big guy, but looks like he has a little bit more bit of mobility than he had last year. Um, also, a really interesting pickup now in fantasy, too, and you would never think of picking up a pitcher that hasn't pitched above double A. And there's a lot of guys that are pitching from double A to single A. And and Brady Singer is one of those guys. First round pick. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago on the show. He got his opportunity to pitch. He had some mixed results in his first couple of starts. But simply put, there's no denying it. At this point, he is in their rotation to stay. And the strikeouts have been there. The ERA and whip. I mean, this is a rookie pitcher, let's keep in mind, on Kansas City that is already having success. And he picked up his first big league win yesterday. And the manager of the Royals, Mike Matheny, after the game, talked about his mix of pitches and just 
what made him successful in picking up his first major league win? Uh, just a look of his change up from the side. Looking forward to watching some of the action on film on it as well. Uh, but the hitter's reactions, um, obviously his, his fastball and placing his fastball is always going to be the, the single best weapon he's going to have each night. Um, but after that, mixing in the slider as well as a, a changeup that seems to, I think he's just gaining more confidence in it. And, and as he gains confidence, he, he finishes it, throws it better, and you, you're getting some of the depth. You're getting uh, a good change in the velocity. It's um, It was just a, a great day. And then, you know, he makes a, a play that I'm confident he's not going to do again with uh, trying to barehand that ball. It's just an athletic, natural reaction that we need to Un, undo uh, with every single one of our guys, but um, you know that could have that could have gone really really bad. Obviously with the injury, but after that, not having a feel for the ball, and um, he did a nice job of regaining his composure and kind of pitching through that, and and did a great job of getting big outs right in the middle of their big part of their. So Brady Singer, Joe, at this point becomes a pitcher to own in fantasy. Uh, you, you never want to deep dive on teams like the Royals or the Tigers, and, and it's really hard because you know that you're not going to get a lot of wins there. But he's in the rotation to stay, I think, at this point. And once he starts getting some length, six, seven innings, if Merrifield and Solaire can hit a little bit, they got Dozier back yesterday. Mm. Maybe the Royals aren't as bad as everybody thought. Maybe. That's right. Yeah, my guy Hunter Dozier came back yesterday. Very excited about that. Uh, but he's got a little cranky in him, Singer. I, I, I like him a lot from what I've seen so far. And if you look at the whip and ERA numbers, you can say, oh, they're, they're a little high. But they're also a little inflated because of the limitations he's got in terms of pitch count right now. So he's actually pitched better than the whip and ERA suggests, believe it or not. Just, just a hair better. Not markedly better, but definitely better than the whip and ERA numbers are. And you're going to see, as Greg is alluding to over time, as this guy starts to stretch out a little bit, as he starts getting closer to being a 100-pitch kind of guy, those whip and ERA numbers are going to come down. So this is a unique opportunity right now for this player. And although we don't want to deep dive on guys on the Tigers and guys like the Royals, we have no choice. This is 2020. Are you a healthy body? Are you playing today? Awesome. You're in, kid. Go grab a glove. And get out there and do what you can. I think so far, I think uh, the poise really stands out. And that's why I kind of, you know, say with Granke, he seems very, very calm demeanor on the mound, very in control. And that's always a good thing in a young pitcher you're looking for. He's not going to get shaken by the big stage. And I think that's a really good thing here uh, for Brady Singer and a, and a much better thing for the Royals, which is in an organization that is a desperate need of some frontline starting pitching. So if this is one of the guys they're building on, I know they drafted one this year, too, or actually two guys, I think that could be that. That is a huge step forward for this Royals potential rotation in the next two to three years. And with all the hype on uh, Spencer Howard, who didn't fare well, maybe Singer ends up being the better option. And that's not something that you can predict, but that's why it's baseball and strange things happen in strange days and strange ways. And and maybe Singer ends up being the better pitcher. Certainly possible. Um, The Yankees have been winning a lot of games, and all of those games that they've been winning have been saved by Zach Britton, who's been racking them up. He's got five saves already on the season, but unfortunately yesterday uh, ended up losing the game for uh, for the Yankees as he gave up a run and the Tampa Bay Rays ended up winning. They seem to play close games every day, and Britton said that's just kind of the way that the uh, matchups have worked out between those two teams. 
And, you know, uh, we play them close just about every time that we're here or that our place. So, you know, you're prepared for it. Um, you know, obviously Pac's had a great start uh, and their offense kind of clawed back there. But um, to be expected, close games against these guys. And, and honestly, a lot of that is deciding, you know, what bullpen's going to be sharper that day. And uh, their bullpen was sharper, uh, you know, than me. I thought our, you know, Holder did a great job getting out of that jam. He made some great pitches. And, and you know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make pitches um, to get the outs. And Joe, the, the Yankees have an interesting dynamic now going because, as expected, Zach Britton has been untouchable this year. His ERA jumped from 0.2 to 1.59 on the season. His whip is 0.88. He's got five saves. Aroldis Chapman has been working his way back, although it's taking him a little bit longer to get back, and the expectation is we'll see him this week. So, Joe, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe Chapman just does simply come back and take over the closer's role. Maybe they are mix and match with Britton and Chapman. I'm not sure, but, man, it makes a really good one-two punch if Chapman comes back, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Every bullpen should have the problems the Yankees have right now with Zach Britton being awesome and Aroldis Chapman on the way back. Yeah, as the Phillies. How they would feel about that scenario. I think they'd feel pretty good about it. That's for damn sure. Uh, but look, if Britain falters one other time, I think then Chapman would just come right back into the role. If he doesn't, he pitches well the next outing or two. Then I think you could see, dare I say, a committee or a, you know, we're going to go with this guy tonight because the numbers are better against these hitters he's got coming up. And it's going to be frustrating for Chapman owners, but uh, at least Britain will still get some save opportunities. I would imagine, considering what they're paying Chapman, though, the Yankees, that there's probably a little bit of pressure from up top in the organization to probably make sure he is in that high leverage ninth inning role. And it's your embarrassment of riches. I mean, who cares? I, if he's got Britain in the eighth, you, you got Chapman in the ninth, if it flip flops, who cares? All that means is no matter what, it's a long evening to go against the Yankees, especially on a night where you got Garrett Cole out there on the mound. And then you got to face Britain and Chapman. My goodness, that is a long day at the office, Greg. Yep, two really good pitchers in the back end. Also, in case you missed it, over the weekend, the Yankees placed uh, Giancarlo Stanton on the 10-day injured list. And it looks like, at least from what they're saying, is Mike Talkman is in line to get a lot more playing time. And if you follow Clint Frazier on Twitter or Instagram, it seems like he is getting the call uh, from the Yankees to rejoin the big league team. So maybe another player potentially in the mix as well. All right, coming up next... It's time for us to take a look at the day in DFS over on FanDuel. We're going to go through all the potential picks and all the potential options. That's coming up next as well. Also, a little bit later in the show, we'll hear from Adam Ronis of Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. He's got all of the games today, including the big one between the Los Angeles Lakers tonight, taking on, uh, I think one of the better teams in the NBA at this point in the Denver Nuggets. So we'll give it a preview of that as well. We've got fantasy or reality too. So make sure you stick around. We've got our DFS picks, help you make some money over on the FanDuel site. Stay tuned. Joe and I will be right back, right here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports today. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And 
And welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia with you here. Head on over to Sports Grid. You'll get our full schedule of all the things that we have going on here. Also, follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, and follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizapia 17 In Major League Baseball tonight, a lot of teams are getting a first day of rest since the season began. So it is a little bit of a short slate. Also, Thursday will be a little bit of a short slate in Fantasy and in DFS. But let's get some potential options for you. Head on over to the FanDuel DFS site. Make sure you get in some money on some of these matchups tonight, and we'll turn it over to Joe for some of his plays on that site tonight. Joe? Yeah, absolutely, Craig. It is uh, definitely a shorter slate tonight, but still plenty of good options out there. And the best one, the chalkiest one for cash games is Patrick Corbin, and he deserves all the love regardless against the Mets tonight. uh, It's a really good matchup. It's worth paying for. And the good news is there's a lot of quality hitters Price between 2.5 and 3K that you can get in your lineup, some one-offs, even a couple guys you can pair together, get a very responsible offense around Patrick Corbin, which some nights when you have a pitcher this high up on the trough in terms of salary can be difficult to do. Uh, The salary algorithm has not caught up yet to Dustin May, and guess what? Neither have major league hitters. He is just 7.5 against the Padres. Yes, I know Tatis is in on fire, but momentum is only as good as the next day's starting pitcher, and today's is Dustin May, and I think they're in for a long evening. He has been absolutely filthy so far, so I would take a shot with him at 7.5 against the Padres, especially at home. Uh, tonight, look, it's all about those Rockies against Robbie Ray in Colorado. Sorry, Robbie, got to go at you. Trevor's story at 4.2 is worth paying up for, and at the top of that lineup recently has been Garrett Hampson. If he's in there at the top of that lineup again at 3K, he's a really good volume uh, value play in a game that looks to have a lot of potential run score tonight with Robbie Ray on the mound, who's been all kinds of confused and he hasn't been the only diamondback pitcher who has not looked good this year so far. Yeah, it's been a, a tough start for them and, and hopefully they can keep it going. That was like a good sleeper pick for me this year. And um, diamondbacks have definitely not impressed. No question. All right. Uh, coming up next, it's time for us to take a quick break and then we'll recap our top stories of the day in fantasy And then we'll dive deeper into what the Washington football team could look like at running back this season. We'll have our opinions on that next year on Fantasy Sports Today. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 